All right, we're starting a series called First, and I want to share a principle that runs right throughout Scripture. It's this principle of first. How many like coming first? Uh, you know, if you're going to compete, you want to win a gold medal, don't you? I know silver's okay, bronze is all right, but you want the gold. And how awesome is it that we've won the most medals that we've ever won as a country? And uh, yeah, I, uh, I'm loving the fact that uh, per capita, uh, being on that international Zoom last, uh, uh, last night, I was able to share how successful we are as a nation. Um, but, you know, when, when it comes to first, you know, uh, all of us to some level want to put God first in our lives. Uh, it's like, yeah, I want to put God first, but how we do that um, is a question that sometimes needs to be answered. I found when you put God first in your life, uh, everything then flows. Order comes to your life. Uh, in fact, if you put God first, you'll never come second in life. And when God's not first, things in our life so easily can get out of order. And I'm not saying that when you put God first, you'll never have problems. But I'm just saying God establishes order, in which, which is a way in which you can navigate through those problems. So today I've got just quickly three points, three simple points. And it's around the firstborn, it's around first fruits. And I'm going to be talking about tithe here. I'm going to talk about money today. Because when it comes down to it, uh, money is the number one competitor to our heart. Uh, in fact, Jesus talks about that in the New Testament. And money affects all of our lives. It's part of our decision making. Uh, you know, every day we're making decisions in regards to money. And, you know, to say, hey, God's God of everything and not to involve him in money and hear what he's got to say about money would be a miss because it's part of our life. So we're going to talk about that. Some of us even right now are going, oh, I'm not sure about this. Oh, that might be because money is number one in your life. And, uh, you know, what we've got to establish is God needs to be number one in our life because when God is number one, everything else makes sense. And so three quick points is the firstborn, the firstborn, talking about the principle of first, the firstborn must be redeemed or sacrificed. It must be redeemed or sacrificed. Let's go to Exodus chapter 13. Exodus 13 verse 2, it says, consecrate. That's a big word. Consecrate simply means to set apart. So he says, set apart to me all the firstborn, whatever opens of the womb among the children of Israel, both of man and beast, it is mine. Now in the Hebrew where it says, it is mine, that's a real strong version. It, it is mine. It's like, it is mine. And God is saying, what is God saying here? He's saying that the firstborn is his. If we jump down to verse 12, it says, then you shall set apart to the Lord all that the open, all that open the womb, that is, every firstborn that comes from an animal which you have, the male shall be the Lord's. But every firstborn of a donkey you shall redeem with a lamb, and if you will not redeem it, you shall then break its neck, and all the firstborn of man among your sons you shall redeem. Now, that, that's a big passage of Scripture right there. And some of you, again, you hit around it. But basically it's, what it's saying is the firstborn either needs to be sacrificed or redeemed. And, and this is how it worked. It was every time their, their livestock delivered its firstborn, they were to sacrifice that firstborn, that, to offer it to God. Because God says that this is mine. But if it was unclean, they were to redeem it with a, with a spotless lamb. 
Now, it talks about donkeys in this passage, and donkeys were considered to be unclean. And, and lambs, a lamb without blood is, is something that's clean. If the firstborn was clean, it was to be, it was to be sacrificed. Some of you haven't worked that. Uh, but if it was unclean, it's to be Redeem. So the question is, how do you know whether something needed to be sacrificed or redeemed? It was, if it was unclean, it was to be redeemed. And if it was, if it was clean, it was to be sacrificed. How, how many know when it comes to you and I, uh, uh, you know, as children, you don't actually need to teach a child to be bad? You don't need to teach them that. It just happens. It's by nature. You and I were born with a sinful nature. Another way of saying that is you and I were born unclean. I know some of you had a shower this morning. Well, I hope most of you had a shower this morning. Uh, but, but even though you had a shower, you and I have this sinful nature which makes us unclean. Uh, we, are, we are unclean. Now, I want us quickly to skip over to the New Testament, and I want to lay a foundation, because John the Baptist, he comes on the scene, and in John chapter 1, verse 29, it says, the next day John saw Jesus coming to him, and he said, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Behold the Lamb of God. Well, what is he saying? He's saying, here's the one who's come to redeem us. We are unclean because of our sinful nature, but here's the Lamb of God who's clean, and he's come to redeem us. How awesome is that? Because he's unblemished in every way. And what you've got to understand, Jesus was God's firstborn. Uh, remember back, it was as the firstborn was clean, it was to be sacrificed. And if it was unclean, it was to be redeemed with a spotless land. Uh, come on, do you see the symbolic parallel going on here? Uh, Jesus is God's firstborn, born clean, and we're born unclean. Therefore, Jesus' sacrifice on the cross was necessary to redeem us. Come on, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Come on, if you're being redeemed of the Lord, you can say so. Give God a big clap of praise right now. But what it could be said is that, that, that Jesus was actually God's tithe. That's it. Jesus was God's tithe. And today we're going to talk about tithing because tithing is really about first. Uh, tithing is not about legalism. Some people say, well, tithing is just the Old Testament law. No, it was before the law, it was during the law, and it was after the law. In fact, Jesus himself said in Matthew 23, 23, we ought to tithe. It's something that we ought to do. To me, that's enough. People try and, and, and you know, dismiss it, you know, try and get around it. But, but it's a principle that runs right throughout Scripture. And a tithe simply means 10% or a tenth. More importantly, it means the first tenth of what we have. Uh, I, where did I learn to tithe? I, I learned to tithe from my parents. You know, I got pocket money, I think a, a dollar pocket money started off, and uh, straight away they taught me to take 10 cents along to uh, children's church, and I'd give my 10 cents to God. Eventually it went up, I think it only ever got to $5, which wasn't even enough for a Big Mac combo. Um, uh, but $5.50. But I've never had an issue with tithing right through my life because I learned it from my parents. And so many people go, well, I'll tithe once I get a whole lot of money. But if you can't do it in the small, it's likely you'll never ever do it when you get a whole lot of money. In fact, Rockefeller, who, you know, the guy who's uh, a rich New York <laughs> guy from New York, he said, if you can't do it with a $1.50, you're not going to do it with a million dollars. 
And I'm glad I learned this principle from a young age. Where did my parents learn it? Well, they got saved. They were in an Anglican church. They owned a farm at that time. And my father just read the Bible and said, I'm going to try this out. Because in Malachi, it says, test me in this. So only place in Scripture where it talks about to test God in this. He was a farmer, so he started tithing. And one time they were having a meeting, and, and people were actually embarrassed at how much money he was giving. Because a lot of people were just giving their token donations to, to God, not really giving their first, not really giving their best. And anyway, he, he applied this principle to his life, and he saw God's blessing. Uh, not just in us as a family. In fact, you know, in an 18-month period when he gave his heart to Jesus, 26 of my family members gave their heart to Jesus. Yeah, uh, began to open things up. But he began to see this on his farm, so much so that one day the vats where, which held all the milk was literally overflowing. So much so that he had, had to get buckets to contain the, the milk. And the tanker driver pulled up. And the tanker driver said, well, how many cows are you milking now? I think at that time I was around about 80 cows. It wasn't a large farm. Uh, but it was reasonable in that day. And, he, and the tanker driver said, do you know you're taking as much milk as a farm down the road that's milking 160? It was the highest producing, uh, uh, producing farm in the Wellington district per cow. Man, his heifers were producing. Uh, but it was like it opened something up, and he, he just took it at God's word. And I've seen God's blessing in my life through giving God the first, the first of what I have. But I love the fact that it's the first. Yeah, you got that, get this. God gave before you and I ever believed or responded. Uh, we love Romans chapter 5, verse 8. It says, God demonstrated his love towards us. So this is how he demonstrated his love towards us, that while we were in sin, Christ died for us. He didn't await a response and then say, oh, I'm going to die. He loved us by forethought, by going ahead, and he died for us, even though there was no guarantee of a response. God didn't see if we'd change, if we'd repent. And, you know, God himself, you know, instit who's instituted the principle of first things first, he demonstrated it. And here's, here's, here's the principle here. The first portion given redeems the rest. If we give our first and our best, it redeems the rest. You know, how many need, uh, need some time to be redeemed? You know, how many need their money to be redeemed? I want my money to be redeemed. In fact, 90% under the blessing of God is better than 100% left to my own devices. It's more. And, and why is it the first portion, first portion important? Uh, the first portion carries the blessing of God because the first portion requires faith. Remember, it's impossible to please God without faith. And the first portion is the redemptive portion. Now, notice God didn't say, wait till your sheep has 10 sheep. You know, wait, wait till it produces 10 sheep and then give me one. See, the principle is putting God first. And, and the first question is, does it need to be sacrificed or redeemed? Second question is, is when it comes, that's when it comes to the firstborn, we're gonna look at first fruits. The first fruits must be offered. Uh, the principle of first is in regards to first fruits. Uh, I've heard it said, anything first, any first thing given is never lost, 
but any first thing not given is always lost. In other words, well, what we give to God, we don't lose because God redeems it for us. But what we withhold from God, we actually lose. Uh, Jesus echoed this principle. He said, for what, whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Uh, that's how the kingdom operates. And, and the first belongs to God. How many know? Uh, we can give him the first of our time. We can give him the first of our finance, uh, which, which is what tithing is all about. You know, a lot of people, you know, work out how much they've got and uh, they want to spend. And so often they, they give first to holidays and they give first to other things. And then they work out, oh, I've got some left over. I'll give it to God. But God's saying, no, I want to be the first. I want to be the first in your life. And it requires faith, again, to give the first. And a lot of us love the, the passage in Proverbs chapter 3. In fact, a lot of us can quote this passage off by heart. Trust in the Lord with? See, you, you know that verse. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. You know, so many of us trust in God after we've lent on our own understanding. Uh, you know, once we've come to an end of ourselves, now I'm going to trust God because I've got another option. But here it says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your under understanding and in all your ways acknowledge Him. Not just on a Sunday morning. Uh, not, not just at, at the start of the day. In all your ways, with everything you uh, acknowledge Him and He will direct your paths. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. It will be health to your flesh and strength to your bones. Listen to this. Uh, verse 9. Honor the Lord with, the, with your possessions, with the first fruits of all your increase, so that your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. That's good. That's good. Honor the Lord with your possessions. Nothing wrong having possessions, but the problem is when possessions have you. Nothing wrong with having money. It's when money determines your decisions. And when, money is a great servant. It's a bad, bad master. And we've got to make sure it doesn't master our life. And what tithing does, giving God the first, it says, no, I'm putting things in the right order in my life. I'm allowing these things to be in the right order. In fact, Exodus 23, 19 says, The first of the first fruits of your land you shall bring to the house of the Lord your God. Uh, the first of the first fruits. So when you get paid, you know, it's the first. It's not, oh, well, I'm get, doing all these other things. It's the first. You should bring, bring. Notice it says bring and not give. Why does it say that? Uh, it says that because you can't give what doesn't belong to you. Uh, you, you bring it. And, 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 and God says, well, what's the first? It's mine. That's mine. That's why God said to the Israelites when they went into Jericho, the silver and gold is, is mine. You know, it needs to come into the Lord's house. Why do you say that? Because that was the first city of the promised land. God didn't say, after you conquer the promised land, then give me 10%. No, he said, the first city, the silver and gold is mine. And a guy by the name of Achan took what was God's. And as a result of that, the whole nation experienced defeat at Ai. I'm saying, don't go aching on me. Yeah. And, and, and what we've got to understand, this is right through Scripture again. Go back to Genesis chapter 4. This is before the law. 
It says, and in the process of time it came to pass, Cain bought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. Abel also bought of the first fruit, firstborn of his flock and of their fat. And the Lord respected Abel and his offering, but he did not respect Cain and his offering. And Cain was very angry and his countenance fell. Now, now here's the difference between Cain and Abel's offering. Cain bought his offering in the process of time. And the... Cain, uh, Abel gave first. Why, why did God accept Abel's offering and not Cain's? Simply because Cain gave it in the process of time where Abel's was the first fruit. And God couldn't accept Cain's because it wasn't first. Some people say, no, God can do anything. No, he can't. Here's something that God can't do. God can't change. He can't change. He can't act outside of his character. Have you ever thought about this? God can't change because he's perfect. Yeah, if he could change, that would make him better than what he already is. Uh, but you can't change perfect. He's already perfect. You know, he can't think the way that you think because he's omniscient. He knows everything already, so he doesn't think the way that we think. He never has an aha moment. And, and, and get this, God can never come second because he's preeminent. He's first over all. He's above all and he's higher than all. He, he can never come second. And that's why he, it, first is really important. And, and, and that's where some of us miss it. Is, is God is first. And he deserves to be first in each and every one of our lives, which brings me to number three. And we'll just finish up here, is the tithe must be first. In Leviticus, verse 27, it says, In all the tithe of the land, whether the, of the seed of the land or the fruit of the tree, is the Lord's. It's holy, holy, set apart. It's holy to the Lord. Uh, why does it require faith to give the first? It means you're giving to God before working out whether you have enough. That's why the tithe is important. It's it's the primary way that we actually acknowledge that God is first in our life. You now, it's easy to say it with our words, but sometimes we need to put our money where our mouth is. By tithing, you're actually saying, God, you are first in my life, and I trust you to take care of the rest. In fact, Jesus said this. He said, uh, Matthew 6, 21, for wherever your treasure is, wherever your treasure is, your heart will be also. Notice it doesn't say where your heart is, is your treasure will be. Our heart follows our treasure. Our heart follows that. Wherever your treasure is right now, that's where your heart, that's where you'll meditate on. That's where your focus will be. And that's why putting God first, saying, that's where I want my heart to be. I don't want to be caught up with all this other stuff. And, and when it comes to the tithe, uh, the tithe must be first. It simply means a tenth. Now, now, the number 10 is, is really important in the Bible. It actually means testing. 10 is symbolic of testing. That's why there were 10 plagues in Egypt. What were they doing? They were testing Pharaoh's heart. There's 10 commandments. What are they testing? They're testing obedience. Uh, how many times did God test Israel in the wilderness? There were 10 times. How many times did God test Jacob's heart while working for Laban? It was, it was 10 times. 
How many times was Daniel tested in Daniel chapter 1? The answer is 10. Uh, This pattern follows through into the New Testament, Matthew 25. 10 virgins, they had their preparedness tested. Uh, 10 days of testing were mentioned in Revelation chapter 2, verse 10. Uh, There were 10 disciples. No, there wasn't. There was 12 just testing right now. Uh, uh, but, but what you've got to understand about uh, the tithe is uh, the tithe is the ultimate test for the believer. Yeah, and more significantly, the only place in Scripture, again, where God says you can test him in this. I want to say if you're new to Equippers, it's great to have you here. You know, if you're a guest, you know, uh, this is really for those who have already confessed Jesus is their Lord and Savior. Others may be on a journey, but this is something that you actually should search out and, and you should look at. Because I've found by honoring God, it's amazing how everything else begins to fall into place. We can try and work things out, but God knows better than we do. And and trusting Him is better than trusting a government, trusting anything else. And, 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 and the Bible says we can test God in this. In Malachi chapter, chapter 3, it says, bring all the tithes into the storehouse. What's a storehouse? That's a local church. Your tithe is not designated for another ministry. It's for the storehouse. Some people say, well, all the church ever wants is your money. You know, all of it is ever after is your money. Well, let me tell you, countdown is not after your friendship. <laughs> but you don't mind going and, and paying for where you get natural food. The house of God is where we get spiritual food. And the enemy wants to do everything he can to discredit the place where you get spiritual food so that you end up malnourished. That's why there's this whole lot of talk in and around that. It says, bring all the tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house and try me or test me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. If I'll not open the windows of heaven and pour out such a blessing, there'll be not enough room to receive it. Come on, that's the promise of God. Yeah, come on, let's give God a big clap of praise for that. Now, I know many of you have tested God in this area and seen as faithful, but some of you haven't. I'm saying, well, why not test God? Why not try it out? I'm challenging you to surrender your arguments and put God to the test. Now, many of you have heard this illustration before, but it was when Ruby was young. She had a packet of M&Ms. I bought her those packet of M&Ms. And I gave them to her, and she was eating them, and I said, can I have some? And she says, no, they're mine. But what she didn't realize, well, what she forgot was, firstly, I bought them for her in the first place. And what she failed to rem- uh, think about was that I could actually forcibly remove them from her hand if I wanted to. And, and what she failed to realize as well is that I have the capacity, yes, I do, to buy her 10 packets of m ms you know, I have that capacity to do that. You know, here's, here's where, when it comes to the tithe. You know, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. And God gives us what we have. He gives us what we have. Everything we have comes from God. He gives us the power to get wealth. And God, we have it all. And God comes along and says, hey, will you tithe? And, or he comes along and says, can I have some? And we go, no, it's mine. It's my precious Yeah, and and we hold on to it. But what we fail to realize is that God gave it to us in the first place. He could take it from us. And and what we fail to realize is that He could rain down M&Ms. Wouldn't that be a great day? Uh, Yeah, He could do that. 
And, and, and we miss that whole thing. Yeah, isn't it interesting that Relevant uh, uh, Magazine published uh, this report, and, and it was a report that answered the question, what would happen if the church, if the church tithed? Uh, investigated the worldwide church and concluded that somewhere between 10 to 25% of believers tithed. Uh, 10. Uh, that means 8 out of 10 uh, Christians don't tithe regularly. A, a lot of people agree with this principle, but they don't have the discipline of it. You know, what tithing taught me is the discipline of giving. That, that, that's what it taught me, the discipline of giving. We want to be givers. We want to be generous. And, and tithing taught me the discipline of giving. By the way, when it comes to a tenth, many people go, well, is it before tax, after tax? Um, here's the thing. Uh, P-A-Y-E came in the 1960s. Just saying. You know, the first fruits of it, you're increasing. It's like, you know, you get the whole sum, and then you'd give it to the tax person. Today, it's already taken out. And, and when it comes to the tithe, you know, the gross, it's given the first fruits of all, you know, all your increase there. Uh, but it, it says here, you know, eight out of 10 uh, don't tithe. And the study showed if the church fully tithed, get this, there'd be an extra $165 billion per year raised. $165 extra billion per year raised. How I many know the global impact of that would be huge? It'd be massive. You know, it calculated that uh, $25 billion per year could relieve global hunger, starvations, and deaths from preventable diseases in five years. $12 billion could eliminate illiteracy in five years. $15 billion could solve all the world's water and sanitary problems, specifically in areas where people live on less than a dollar a day. And get this, uh, one billion could fully fund overseas missions work. And then after all that, if you've done the mass, there's something like $100 billion left over, and, and that could be used to propagate God's purposes in the earth. Yeah, that could, I, I really believe you know, God's got vision, but he's also created a way which that vision can actually be resourced. Come on, what could we see if, if we just understood the principle, this principle of first? And, and this is not giving to get. It's not like you tithe and a magic wanders over you and, and suddenly everything works out. Because, you know, yeah, we've got to steward the other 90. Yeah, you can give your 10% and, and, and be an unwise steward with the rest and still not be blessed. But it is a principle that we want to talk about because when you put God first, when you give God your, your, your first and the best, you can trust Him with the rest. And, and it's amazing because in giving the first, you have to reorder your world. And it's amazing. You know, our, our worlds sometimes are out of order simply because we haven't established what's a priority in our life. Things just come at us and, and we go, oh, well, I'll just react to the emergency. I'll react and I'll respond to the need. And that's why a lot of people find themselves in a lot of pro, uh, trouble because they don't have a plan. And they haven't established who is first. How many want God to be first in your life? It's a big question. Some of you are going, I'm not sure. You know, I've found God, He wants to be first. He doesn't want to be second. In fact, Malachi, that whole book is because the Israelites were giving God the leftovers. 
They were sacrificing, but it was just token. It was like, oh, looking among their herd, which is going to fetch the least at the market? You know, I'll go for the blind lamb, the three-legged lamb, and we'll offer that to God. And God says, I don't want that. I don't want that. I, I want your best. I want you to trust me in this. I want you to give me your first and your best. And if you put your faith in me, you watch what I'll do with the rest. I'll redeem the rest. Come on, God's a faithful God. And I'm glad, you know, I learned this from my parents. I'm glad my children have learned it. And they're not just stopping at the tithe. I was just encouraged to hear a miracle offering. My daughter's students giving hundreds of dollars to miracle offering because they want to invest into the house of God. And they've seen the blessing on their life. You know, I believe when we're faithful and unrighteous mammon, that means money. God can entrust to us his true riches. In fact, that's what Luke 16 says. When we're unfaithful and unrighteous mammon, God can't entrust to us his true riches. What are true riches? Some people say, is that more money? No, true riches are his anointing on our lives. True riches is relationship and family. True riches is people. It's not possessions, it's people. And this world is all about possession and acquiring possessions, thinking they'll make us happy, but they never can satisfy the longing of our heart. Only Jesus can do that. And there's a myth that many people buy into. The myth is that someday more will be enough. Once I get there, there will be enough. Once I get there, or when this happens, but I believe there's a here and now, and I want to say to young people in this place, put God first now. Not, not once you have a job or once you, no, now. And you watch what God will do in and through your life and the impact that you'll have on the lives around you.